Good day to you wherever you are, um, wherever you're tuning in to listen to this today. I'm thankful that you've given up your time to listen to anything I might say and just want to preface this. Um, I'm in the middle of uh, a sinus infection, which of course is horrible timing, but I've just not had time over the last week to record this final part of the series, and so I just I have an extra... 30 minutes um, here at the house this morning, another rainy morning, I might add. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name this season of my spiritual life uh, the rainy, the what? I don't know. The rainy season, that doesn't sound cool enough now, does it? The rain year, I don't know. It seems like it's been going on that long, my goodness. Um, I just wanted to bring all this around and kind of draw a circle around everything I've been covering in the series, What is Man? Um, Reclaiming the original purpose of humanity on the earth. And just really bring it to an end. Um, And really hope and faith that anyone who's followed along in these messages is really getting the heart behind it, which is just the challenge before us to reclaim what first Adam surrendered and what he abandoned um, in his, I mean, that's the cost of disobedience, right? I mean, that's the fruit of the carnal man is surrendering what was given uh, to him by God. And that's really the, that's really the power of the gospel, right? I mean, the power of the gospel is not just salvation. I mean, the gospel isn't really the doctrine of regeneration. The gospel is like the message of Jesus, the the message of what is the entrance is the is the death to self. The entrance into the gospel is salvation. It is the regeneration of a man. Entering into the Christ who is my life lifestyle and in surrender and denial of one's own self-motivated living. And that's the entrance into the gospel, but the gospel is the kingdom, the kingdom that is here. You know, Jesus told the the listeners of the time, the multitudes, the disciples, the intimate followers, anyone who would listen, he his message was the gospel, <laughs> he didn't even, well, anyway, the gospel message was that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is moved to within you, friends, is what he was saying. Can you listen, you of little faith, you unbelieving generation? Is there anyone who has the faith to believe and follow in the pattern of Jesus and believe that the kingdom is here? It's right here. And it's right here because Jesus came and fulfilled everything to perfection for man to re-enter into the covenantal government of God, right? He purchased that. And I say this, and I have to be careful who I say this around, and it has to be only in the context when you can actually explain it fully, because if not, it sounds heretical, and it almost sounds like you are lowering the work of Jesus, 
and belittling it, which I, of course, am not. I feel like I'm actually exalting it to its rightful place and to its rightful purpose and, and actually giving it a preeminent place over every other thing because when God became man, he took on the form of man and lowered himself and became a servant of mankind, which is just astounding in and of itself, of course. The work of Jesus was to accomplish a purpose, to purchase us, to redeem mankind, to open the door. He said what? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Those three things are the pinnacle of the purpose of man in the pattern of Jesus to get into his way, in his truth, and thereby being given life, a, a renewed purpose now from death to life, as we talked about throughout this series, being moved from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, which Jesus said is here. It is right here, the kingdom of God is in you those who were followers of the way, the truth, and the life. And just as true as it was then when he spoke that to his disciples, it is true to us today who choose in faith to believe and enter into that reality, which reclaims the original purpose of humanity on the earth because Jesus came and reinstated for those who would choose to enter in. It is not a change of kingdom in the sense of he changed all of the functions of the government of the earth. No, the patterns of the world are the same. The patterns of the flesh man guided by fallen Lucifer, Satan, serpent, liar, deceiver, ruler of the air, are very much in place. They're very much active and guiding men upon the earth. So, again, we're talking about a transference of kingdom. A transference from the kingdom of dark, the dominion of darkness, which lorded over us because we were men of flesh, given to our fleshly, sinful, rebellious tendencies, as first Adam... And when we enter into the way, the truth, and the life, and enter into the kingdom of God here and now reality, again, the temple moving from without to within, we therefore are transferred into a kingdom that Jesus made available to all of those who would enter into his death. Join with his death. Have fellowship with his sufferings. Willingly give yourself to pursue and take in the sufferings of Jesus, which is the pattern of Christ. Avoidance, relief, rapture, all of these things that they mean by definition oppose Jesus. They are antichrist. Because you are seeking to be delivered and rescued and removed from the suffering. Jesus instated a pattern. He was the way. 
He was the firstborn of many brethren. He was a pattern to be followed. He was a forerunner who carved out a way through unto the kingdom. And only those who will put themselves into the pattern of Jesus Christ, in the Spirit of Christ, fueled by the Holy Spirit, who was sent to us as the greater promise, to empower men to walk as Jesus walked, these men will be ones who walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. Not desiring relief. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think we talked about them in part two. Did they desire relief and rescue? Daniel. David. Joseph. We could go on and on and on about these men who have gone before us who proved the biblical doctrinal position of endurance and suffering. The way of the cross. Jesus did not pave a way for us in victory so that we have no, we have no um, obstruction, so that we have no hardness, we have only ease. I mean, is that not most of what the gospel has become? In our age, which is, Jesus went through all of these things, brother, so that you don't have to. Jesus took on every disease and every sin and every shame and all of these things. He went through tribulations and trials and he was persecuted and hated and spit upon so that you can just be victorious and have nothing to ever wrestle with, brother. Because Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. Oh, yes. Right? Yes, he paid it all. But he paid it all so that we can walk into his pattern. Victorious in it. Stephen. Can anyone walk up to Stephen? Should we travel back in time and say, Oh, brother, you don't need to take this. You don't, you tell them who Jesus is. But you know what? That's what he did. He laid out the entire story of the word to these leaders who hated him. And when he spoke the truth, from beginning until that moment he was standing before them, they were seething with hatred and anger. And they came upon him and they stoned him to death. And what did he do? He looked up and he saw one standing to receive him in the midst of the stoning and the persecution and the physical death brought on by those who said, we know God. Do we understand that? In whatever is seated in our innermost places, when we examine our hearts on what we believe and why, do we give ourselves to ask if we are, if we are prone to look at Jesus in any way, like a genie in a bottle, 
or some magic wand. Oh, no, brother. Joel, we would never, ever, no, no, we would never do such a thing. Oh, really? Then why in the world is Jesus promoted in my generation as the Jesus who fixes every single thing wrong with you so that you can be free? Don't struggle. Don't strive. Don't have difficulty. Don't have hard times. Be free. Jesus paid it all. You don't have to deal with that anymore. That's the message of the modern day gospel. You're in the kingdom. You're a son. You're an heir, brother. You shouldn't be. Oh, that's the devil. That is the devil. It should not be so hard to be in the kingdom of God. That is the devil. He is after you. You better watch out. Really? Can we go back in time and kneel down before the cross as Jesus is lifted up, beaten, bloody, and naked, made a public spectacle, and say that same thing to Jesus the Christ, the Son of God? Oh, wait a minute. I seem to recall that is what people said. That is what they told him. No way, Jesus. Don't go that way. Don't do it. Don't go the way of suffering. Don't go the way of persecution. You can rule all of this, Jesus. Go another way that is more advantageous for you. Oh, and by the way, for me too. Because I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to die. Jesus, be an earthly king. You can do it and we'll rule and reign with you here. And what did Jesus say? Did he say, no, I have other plans. No, you're just thinking wrong. He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, you lying deceiver who says avoid suffering, avoid pain, avoid the hardness. You shut your mouth because you are a liar. And again, we are called into the pattern of the Christ. He was the firstborn of many brethren who didn't purchase land for us to just come and build castles on because he's the owner and we're here to live it out. We are not heirs in that manner. Jesus did not purchase me so that I can have natural earthly blessing. That's ridiculous. And so I'm asking, how does that, okay, most people listening to this probably aren't rolling around in Bentleys with 30-inch wheels and gold trim. But what ways has that infiltrated our thinking? Promotions? Favor? Oh, favor. Oh, no. It's not just blessing because, you know, it's just the favor of God. The favor of God on our lives is that we have clothes, is that we have a house to live in with heat, that we have jobs, that we have 
the mental capacity to talk and to think and to move and to live a life that can actually bring him glory through this rotten, stinking, fleshly body that I'm now housed in. The favor of God is that I'm not burned up and cast to the wayside with the tares. The favor of God is on my life. I have a beautiful, awesome, healthy son. I have a wife who loves me and loves the Lord. I have brothers and sisters here and all of their children who are trying to endeavor to give their life to me and my family, to serve us and love us and come alongside us. That is the favor of God, but it is not played out in a natural sense of things I can attain and add to my life because God somehow owes me something because I'm his kingdom son and heir. We're talking eternal kingdoms, not kingdoms of men. Should I own a farm and 10 acres? Absolutely not. I don't deserve one single thing. But it's not what makes me. It's not, well, it's just the blessing of God, brother. You know, I'm a godly man, so hey, why wouldn't God bless me? As if he owes me a grain of sand. I don't know why God is good. I don't know. There's, not, there's no way to know why God pours out his goodness in the ways that he does. But we're talking about eternal kingdoms that cannot be seen through natural eyes, natural understanding. And here I am again. I'm not... I've not even got to the conclusion, so I'm just going to get to this, and we're just going to wrap this up. I've already got other recordings done that I really want to really put out there and like kind of use it to add to this, because most everything has been filtered through these truths about like my purpose. Again, not my purpose here, not my purpose with the people I'm with. Not my purpose as a husband or a father or a friend or a son or a brother. But my purpose that God formed man for. So again, just to kind of go back over, we looked at in the beginning who, who ruled and who reigned the earth. And we know, if you've been following along, God created man to have dominion. And man, man surrendered that. And we know that we are under, the world is under the influence of the power of the air. So we have to train ourselves to think accordingly. We have to realize that that's the end but not of reality is that I have to realize I am operating in a world. I am operating in a fallen world. My physical body is upon a fallen earth. That is my habitation in the natural that's why it matters when we start to give ourselves to put on the mind of Christ, which takes us, as it did Jesus, outside of the patterns of the world, although still within the world, within, upon the earth. That the government of the world, the government and patterns of men, the kingdoms of men, patterns, 
that are so prevalent in Christian culture, and I will say again because it begs mentioning over and over and over, Christian culture, evangelical culture is fascinated with the factions and divisions of the patterns of the kingdoms of the world. The devil has his, he doesn't have a foothold, brother. He has his whole body holding on tightly to the divisions of the kingdoms of men. And if he can keep the predominant church so captivated by political parties and denominations, and that's all their brain goes to in every single thing, we're wrestling against one another. As I mentioned in part two, I believe. There's no wrestling with the principalities and powers because all we're doing is wrestling flesh and blood. Well, now it may be branded, no, brother, this is about darkness and light. I'm, the Democratic Party, Party is the darkness, it's the Antichrist, and you know, we're, in the name of Jesus, we're taking it down. Hogwash. It's divisions and factions and men hating their own brother. Men created in the image of God, hating men created in the image of God. Again, as I said, it is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the scriptures of saying we will in fact do that. And it will in fact affect and lead astray even the elect of God. Right in front of our eyes. Romans 5.19, I'm just kind of reviewing some pages. For as by first Adam's disobedience many were made sinners, so the obedience of last Adam Jesus shall many be made righteous. Restoration, again, that's what Jesus came. He reinstated the ability for man to go to God as Adam and Eve did pre-fall and walk intimately before God without shame. Because their identity is in the Son of God, the offspring of God, the seed of God, no longer fathered by Adam after the fall, no longer his seed and his offspring because we have been regenerated and now have become kingdom men. Paul always talked to the church of Ephesus from a perspective of transfer. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Because of these things. Because of the realities that Paul saw for what they were and taught the churches that he wrote to and that he visited. We looked at a bunch of scriptures. Luke chapter 4. Jesus was led around the wilderness for 40 days. He, of course, was tempted. Satan came before him and found him weak in his flesh. And surely was convinced, this is my time. This is it. I've got him. He's weak. He's vulnerable. But Jesus, not being guided by his flesh, stated to Satan the truth, the greater truth of the eternal purpose of why he came. And therefore, because of that perspective that is now available for us in him, Jesus was not tempted to the point of biting into that that was offered to him to raise himself up and possess something temporal, although immediate. In the denial of that, Jesus gave us that pattern 
of what? Submit to God, therefore. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The simple command, if we do these things as Jesus demonstrated, the devil has to flee. It is foolproof promise of scripture. If we submit to God, resist the devil, he has to flee. It is a biblical truth. Not wishful thinking if we just squint our eyes hard enough and surely don't devil leave me alone. No, brother. Follow the patterns of scripture. Let's see how it goes for us. We talked about the power of the word of the testimony that we saw in Revelation. The blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. They did not love their life even when they faced, were faced with death. The pattern of Jesus. Earthly reign was too small for Jesus. And see, we've got it, man, we've got to. I could talk for another four hours about that alone. The bait of earthly kingdom of men jurisdiction and the pursuit of that Luciferian idea that we can be somebody. Hey, you make sure that they know you're better than them. You put them in their place. You make sure they know their place. Exalt yourself because you should. You're an heir and a son of God. We have to be so careful with that. If Jesus himself did not walk in such a manner but laid his life down as a servant unto death and let those people who betrayed him and hated him Jesus said, God, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. And if we don't adopt that, we ourselves will not walk in the manner as he walked. Some more scriptures to read. And then I'm going to bring this to a close. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... Oh, wait, wait, what? Why is he suffering? I thought he was following Jesus. Oh, wait, Jesus said that if you follow me, you will be persecuted. You will be hated. Oh, yeah. Okay, good to remember. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation groans and the whole creation suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. I'm not going to go into all of it. I looked at some stuff about Job and the, the allowance, if you will, the, the right that God gives to the enemy to sift men to search men, to try men. 
I will say this, though, because it is worth mentioning. When Satan is dialoguing with God, this is so intriguing to me, and this is so why this is not just my opinion, people. This isn't my opinion. Well, this is my flavor of Christianity, and I'm not saying we seek out persecution. I'm not saying I'm looking for some way to be hurt and harmed and persecuted because that somehow exalts me to Christ's likeness. I'm not saying I'm a pursuer of persecution. I'm saying that when it comes and it will come and it does come and it is now here, do I respond from a kingdom perspective? As we see, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Okay. I'm, I'm not even going to I'm not going to go into that. They're having this dialogue. Satan answers to the Lord. And this is what he says. This is so interesting. We have got to get this. Satan himself says, skin for skin, exclamation point. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. Satan knows that, brother. He knows that is our tendency. He knows that is the fruit of the seed of first Adam. He knows that. How many times in my life have I confirmed that to be true? How many times now do I still, in my ignorance and infancy and immaturity as a godly man, give myself to that being true and I give the devil access into me because I walk in that reality of I will give anything for my life to preserve myself skin for skin. And then we know God tells him the parameters. Spare his life. It goes on from there. Satan goes out from the presence of the Lord and he smites Job. Gives him boils from his head to his toes. He's scraping himself. He's so miserable. We know his wife says, what's your problem, Job? If this is God, then forget it. I'm not impressed. You're doing this on purpose. This is the God you serve? Curse him and die. He said, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And in all of that stuff Job endured, he did not sin with his mouth. His lips did not speak blaspheming things unto God in the hardships of what he was enduring. Because he knew, I assume he knew, as as the faith of Abraham, like he knew God had the final say. This makes no sense. I'm miserable. This doesn't even seem right. Why in the world? But I am going to accept it. As from God. Because I know my God. So what lastly, in in absolute closing, Satan has no intrinsic rulership and lordship capacity. He rules and reigns the patterns of this world. 
And those that are within that, by submission, by yielding to that fleshly, carnal, natural, skin-for-skin drive, the first Adam rebellion, fueled by the flesh and what it wants and what it needs and demands, he rules and reigns in dominion of darkness over those men. Those are the ones under the government of Satan himself. He does have dominion, but it is dark, and it is evil, and it is exalting itself above God. And all the men of the earth who do actually in their hearts desire that are in that domain. Ruled and reigned over the government of Satan himself. Fallen. Unredeemed, unregenerate. Fallen men. All that he possesses now was gifted to him by man. And I'm saying it's time for us to rightfully take back what was handed over to him. Not in a run around the room waving banners, singing about the Lion of Judah and waving scepters. No. I'm talking about an inner reality. I'm talking about a spiritual reality. That I'm seated now in heavenly places. It's not about what I'm doing down here. Although down here I am doing something. I am responding with my body to declare the praises of God and to tear down strongholds because I am in a body of flesh and that's how I operate. But beyond that, I have a spirit man that is alive and that has been redeemed, that has been moved from death to life, literally regenerated and is a new creation that is striving to establish the eternal kingdom purposes of God in my own life, in my household, in our fellowship, and in whoever else will allow me to do it alongside them. All for demonstrating the awesome glory of God on the earth through men, plural, the corporate reality church that we looked at back in part three or four about the manifold wisdom of God coming to the earth that all of creation is waiting for, ushered in through the capital C corporate church on the earth, reinstating the purpose of all humanity created all the way back eons ago in the heart of God through dust and dirt that God himself breathed the Ruach breath of God into a physical being and he stands up and he inhales and the glory of God is manifest on the earth. Only when we walk as a spiritual man With the mind of Christ activated in us, will we, can we, rightly see the order and dominion of God that he himself has bestowed upon his seed, upon his offspring, upon the many brethren who were created and formed and fashioned again in God himself through the Son, Jesus the Christ. So that, my friends, is the call. And that is what is man. That is the intention of God of what is man. That is our reclaiming the original purpose of humanity on the earth 
to declare the awesome glory of God in flesh and bone men. The one man reality of brothers dwelling in unity together, submitting themselves in the patterns of Christ to one another, and allowing the head, the awesome, beautiful, radiant, glorified, crowned head, Jesus the Christ, to transfer everything from himself down to his members to execute his kingdom once more on the earth. And that's all I have to say. Amen.